it's got to be something more than just coincidence. It's just all these really neat things that connect you. And you just have to be open to it. I think that's the biggest thing. It's going to be open. Hello and welcome to Your Magic. I'm Michelle T. And today we're sharing a deep cut with you, an episode featuring woke creator Keith Knight, recorded back in 2020 when the first season aired. It got lost in our shuffle, and we're psyched to not only air it now, but also include a follow-up with Keith today, a bit after season two of the show, inspired by his San Francisco life. We talk about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the temptation to get the hell out of America, and taking a stuffed animal to a knife fight. After that, I'm going to talk a little about what happens when the tarot gives you bad advice. Stay with us. So you're all obviously quite aware that all us humans have astrological charts, but do you know that places have charts too? The astrology of place is super fascinating and can boggle your mind with the accuracy and realness of astrology, even if, like me, you're already a firm believer. Looking at the sun signs of some of the spots I've spent time in is a real revelation and I urge you all to try it. For starters, I grew up right outside of Boston, a Virgo. This deepens my understanding of my extreme love-hate of both the city and the sign. Boston bugs me for being so buttoned up and sort of clean feeling, much like a Virgo, no? It's conservative yet open-minded. Though absolutely urban, when I think of it, I think about all those old-ass trees, the green of the esplanade running alongside the sparkling Charles River, earthy Virgo vibes. It's also a supremely critical culture, something I experienced firsthand as a teenager, literally getting spit at on the streets of the city by folks rankled by my avant-garde ensembles. This vibes so hard with my experience of Virgos. My first girlfriend and a significant spouse are both Virgos, and their revulsion towards the messier parts of life, which I adore, as well as the eventual turning of that critical eye onto me and all my imperfections, meant both relationships ended in disasters that had a long-term effect on my person. Why would I seek out this energy so different than my own zany Aquarius vibe? Was it because Boston, being the closest city to my hometown, was an ideal I ran towards as soon as I was old enough to sneak onto a bus, searing its energy into my psyche as something I just had to be inside? Virgo's strange hold on me persists even as I try to make more astrologically appropriate choices in my love life. Dating a wild Sag, only to learn they were tamped way down by a sneaky Virgo rising. Marrying my hedonistic Taurus husband, only to learn his lovey Taurus son is in the hypercritical sixth house, which is ruled by Virgo. Doh! Guess I've got something to learn from this mysterious uptight earth sign. When I fled Boston at age 21, chasing that bad Virgo girlfriend, I landed in Tucson, Arizona. My life was inarguably in shambles. My partner was a narcissist. I was estranged from my family, dealing with the fallout of sexual abuse, newly queer, doing sex work, too aware of intersectional oppressions to feel good about eating basically anything, so I was in the grips of a very strange political eating disorder. In spite of this being a seriously traumatic time, my memories of Tucson glow with a hot desert magic. I think of the big-hearted friends I made, of seeing prehistoric-looking agave plants for the first time, feeling one with nature in Saguaro National Monument, making offerings at the El Tiradito Wishing Shrine. Everywhere, blue sky and bright colors. Tucson is a Leo. It's warm-hearted and full of playful creativity. 
It's a star and it wants to bathe you in its shine. I'm a Leo rising with a lot of fifth house activity. In Tucson, I found myself strangely in the spotlight when a queer nation chapter I started began protesting the toplessness laws that criminalized breast having people taking their shirts off. Swiftly, I was on the cover of the local newspaper, discussed on talk radio, even flown to New York City to guest on an episode of the Jane Pratt Show. Remember that? Anyone? Anyone? Leo also rules sex, and the sex work I did during my time there would eventually be the subject of a fully illustrated book. Even though, yes, super gnarly times, I also recall feeling extraordinarily alive, electric with the drama of it all, feeling like I was having an experience of cinematic proportions. So Leo. San Francisco, always changing and pissing everyone off with its abrupt and seemingly heartless shifts, is a Gemini. The sign that rules writing and communication, it's where I learned to write. In Aquarius, with the Mercury also in that sign, I did well in a city ruled by such a buzzy, radical, colorful energy. The most social of signs, I was out every night, all night, and developed a whopping drinking problem from so much time spent hobnobbing in bars. When I got sober, I seemed to lose part of the city, a city that also seemed to be ghosting the inhabitants it once loved so, turning its attentions away from artists and misfits and toward the techies. Gemini does love technology. I left Gemini San Francisco for Los Angeles, a Libra. I mean, obviously LA is a Libra. So much glamour and beauty, such a premium on perfection and symmetry, but also so much gossip and art and good times, good food, so much flattery. When I moved from the Eagle Rock neighborhood of LA over to Glendale, I hadn't realized I was actually leaving Los Angeles. Glendale is its own incorporated city. Would I feel weird living here? A bit away from my friends, where queers aren't quite as visible and the vibe is more suburban and normal? My life changed suddenly, again and again after moving here. A divorce, COVID, moving my mom in with me, getting married again. Still, I'm living in the best house I've ever lived in and I've come to love my neighborhood and my neighbors. Elderly women, teenage girls, Armenian immigrants, gruff bodega employees, a relapsing alcoholic who keeps losing her dog, more gays than you'd imagine. Not quite as normal as it seems. I looked up my current hometown sign and shocker, it's an Aquarius, just like me. No wonder my life has seen a tremendous amount of shakeup since moving here. The move actually corresponded with a series of Uranus transits that made sure my life would never be the same again. And yet, I feel like I've grown into my best self here, shedding some versions of adult I've been playing dress up in and getting back to my freak flag flying roots. Like my home literally has a flagpole to fly my free flag on. Taking stock of your life by a peek at the signs of the places you've been is a surprisingly deep and satisfying project. If you've only ever lived in one place but long to live in other places, why not see what cities have signs that feature prominently in your birth chart? The research alone would be super interesting. Here's Keith Knight. Hi, Keith. I'm so curious. So listen, I want to talk about what is magic to you? Like this idea, right? That the world holds magic, that we hold magic. What, where do you find that? Where do you like, what, where does that energy appear in your life? Um, I find like it appears in all these different ways, all, all these interesting ways. Um, and I, I will say this, even though I left San Francisco, when I go back there, despite it being, you know, tech companies and tons more people sleeping on the street and all that stuff, it still has magic to it because I found myself 
still walking across town and finding just walking into a place and it's a party and it's a great time and stuff like that. And, you know, you really um, capture the magic of it in woke, like all that B roll in the show, just of San Francisco. It's, it, it really, you can really feel that sparkle and that magic in it. I, I, you know, it's great hearing that from, from you and hearing it from others who were in San Francisco during when I was there, because yeah. that's, that's, I don't know any other San Francisco right. other than that. So um, we couldn't afford to to shoot in San Francisco. So <laughs> we had to shoot in Vancouver. And oh, so this is a magic thing. So, you know, we sh- we shot in Vancouver. And yeah, like that was a big concern for me. Um, and they wouldn't even let us put in like a week or two weeks in San Francisco to shoot exteriors. We had to, all that footage of San Francisco was just, you had to buy, you have to buy this footage, this stock footage. But we found, what, what were you going to say? I was going to say, so, so like the whole scene where, where Keith gets um, profiled and, and tackled by police where it, it's at like civic center. That wasn't really civic center. No, and no, And those little no. chairs I, in the so Castro fun. aren't really little chairs in the Castro. No. Wow. <laughs> way to go production department. <laughs> uh, that, that's so cool. And you know what, while we were on, while we were shooting that scene, there were, I, I told them like, we have to have sisters of perpetual indulgence yes. somewhere in there. And they found the local chapter of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And when I was sitting there, I was drawing something uh, on a table, just sitting there. And they came over to say hi. And the, and one of them said that their grandfather was one of the original sisters. And ah. and they just wanted to say thank you for I, we heard that you wanted us here. And I was like, yeah, you know, it was just such a great moment. Like, oh, I'm that, getting that's chills. Like, I'm getting chills. Yeah. That's part of the magic. Mm-hmm. And the first scene that we shot um, with uh, the Clovis and Keefe characters um, where they find the wallet in the pilot, uh-huh. that street was called, uh, and, and the character in the show is called Keefe instead mm-hmm. of Keith. Yeah. So it's K-E-E-F, which is sort of like my nickname. And we shot on this, a street called Kiefer Street, K-E-F, <laughs> K-E-E-F-E-R. And on that on that line, on that street, there was a bus that was the 22, which made me think of <gasps> Fillmore. Right. But the name of the bus was the night bus, K-N-I-G-H-T. What? So, yeah, yeah. So once I saw that, I was just like, man, this is all destiny. This is all, you know, bizarre. Uh, I mean, <laughs> just amazing. I, I get a sense of you from you that like that that you have a sense of your own destiny or that it has been revealed to you in this way well uh, you know one of the uh, and i i i feel that way like i've i've always felt like that this would happen i just never thought it would be as <laughs> no if you I, I always knew that i would get something developed but i just didn't know it would be this big like uh-huh. on hulu right. with like you know the guy from workaholics and the guy from new girl and and sashir from snl and and rose from izombie and just all this amazing stuff such a great cast. um so i just I, I just always felt something like this could happen and here's the other thing is when I drew caricatures back in the day in the same company as as your friend Frank, 
we would when we would do these um, events where we would go to a college campus and there would be um, not only caricature artists, there'd be tarot card readers and jugglers and this and that. And so for people to warm up, we would sit down and someone would read our tarot cards and I would draw them at the same time. That's how we warmed up. And this tarot card reader, um, I didn't say anything. And she was, she, she was like, you know, she said something about my twin sister, which I don't know how they would even guess that. Right. But also that you're going to, she said, you're going to do very well in two different, you're going to have two careers. Like you're going to be distinguished, distinguished in one career, and then you're going to be distinguished in another career. And um, so I, I always thought that was like um, an interesting assessment um, because it was such a long time ago. I mean, it was 30 years ago. Wow. And um, yeah. And I always felt like it would be comics and then it would be television and film. So And um, it was, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm psyched, uh, psyched about that. And then the last tarot card reading we got was in Culver City. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and... And this was hilarious because she, the, this this young lady was in the back and she was very unsure of herself. And she said, these are new cards, so I'm not really that familiar with it. But <laughs> it just says like, it says like you're pregnant. Oh. <laughs> That's what she said to my wife. And that was the first time my wife realized she was pregnant with our second kid. Wow. So... Like, and I started to think, like, maybe it was a sham. Like, she was, like, this really amazing uh, tarot card reader who just was, pretends to be, like, this fumbling person. Like a pool and, shark. But like it a was, pool shark, but, but yeah, tarot shark. <laughs> ex- exactly. Ex- I, was, I was so impressed with that. And we, we speak about it to this day. Like, you know, my wife was, like, drinking and partying. And then, like, she hears that. And she's like, well... Why don't I get checked out? Oh and then it, yeah, wow, it was crazy. That's was wild. Crazy. You seem like a person that like like destiny reveals itself to you in in signs a lot. Like I'm thinking about like Kiefer Street and the night bus, and like it's like you either have an eye for it or you get you get a lot of signs from the universe. It seems it's it's so bizarre because one of the things that I I just had realized. Um, one of my the titles of my um, uh, comic strips is "Think," my single panel "Think," and just sort of recently, it wasn't even. It's been a while um, that I've had that, like like twenty years. But about five years ago, I was staring at it, and I realized that um, that, and you can see it up here uh, on 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 the thing right here oh, on the logo that "Think" is just my name spelled my last name spelled backwards without the g which i had never realized that and it was just a maybe i <laughs> i just sit around at a blank page too long but just i i just think these weird magical things sort of happen um and you just kind of they just reveal themselves in in a lot of interesting ways this is another really great thing which is one of my mentors in LA is this cartoonist, Tom Gamble. 
And Tom Gamble is sort of like the Forrest Gump of of comedy <laughs> television, modern comedy television. He was he was on the Harvard Lampoon um, back in the seventies, and then he wrote on the original Saturday Night Live. He wrote on Seinfeld. Wow. He writes for The Simpsons now, but he's also he's also this cartoonist, a really funny cartoonist. And when I met him, he's like Keith Knight. You know, um, he was just all excited. And I, I, I couldn't believe that he even knew who I was. So um, so he invited me to um, a Simpsons reading. What a dream. So, so they oh, were, my God. Yeah, the cast is reading that. It, it, it was just amazing. But that's when he told me mm. he was on the Harvard Lampoon in the 70s. Now, you know, we're both from Boston. My great aunt who lived around the corner from me, worked in the Harvard lunchroom for decades, decades. And when I used to go and visit her, she had a Harvard Lampoon magazine. And I loved it because on the cover, there was this drawing of a class and a dog is walking in the class and someone's like, hey, there's a dog in the class. And then everyone's laughing. And then the the teacher's like, class... Oh, forget it. Class dismissed or something like that. And I told him that. And he said, I drew that cover. What? And so my head exploded because I used to, I loved that drawing and the fact that it's all come around to me. And he's the one who said to me um, early on, like he said, Keith, when you're, you're trying to sell this show, don't. You should sell it as live action. Don't sell it as animation. So this was the other thing that made me, convinced me to do it live action. He said, because this was, you know, six years ago or something. He said, at this point, there were probably five different networks that will, are into animation. He says, if you sell it as live action, you'll have like 35 different places that you could sell it to. So do it as live live ah. action. So that was a huge thing for me. Um but there's all these, yeah, there's all these connections where you just sit there and go, man, it's just, um, it's, it's got to be something more than just coincidence. It's just all these really neat things that connect you and, and so many different, you just have to be open to it. I, mean, I think that's the biggest thing. It's got to be open. You know, Keith, as it happens, I have a deck of tarot cards right here. Let them let the magic happen. And uh, I can I can read your cards. I mean, for me, here's here's what I'm interested in is um, because we've been <laughs> well, you know how the country is <laughs> right now, you know. Oh, yeah. I've noticed there's been some issues with our government. Yeah. Uh, and, and some history. And I've al- I, I, I've always felt at some point in my existence, I would leave the country at some point. Like it just with, you know, some of the artists that uh, the cartoonist Ollie Harrington, who was a black cartoonist um, from the Harlem Renaissance, like left left the United States and ended up drawing, yeah, drawing cartoons. He ended up drawing cartoons in East Germany for years. 
you know, people like Josephine Baker, who, you know, obviously left and, and became huge in Paris and, and spied for the French. Like, yeah, James Baldwin. Of course, James Baldwin, Jimi Hendrix, like just all, all these different. Eartha Kitt. Yeah. Keith Knight. Yeah, like that, that's it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of interested in, in sort of, yeah, like, is that, is that in the cards for me? Will I be, sure. will I be leaving sooner or later? <laughs> All right. This is great. Okay. So um, I love asking the tarot questions about different life paths because, you know, they're pictures, so they illustrate. So that's a really good thing to get an illustration on, right? So I'm going to shuffle right now asking, what does it look like? For you and your family to pursue moving out of the country what does it look like if you guys start really taking that seriously and kind of walking towards that and making a plan do you know what country you'd go to well that's the interesting thing my wife is from germany from the black forest and I, you know germany has been a consideration the south of france has been a uh, I don't know the, if it's the south of France. Ooh, whatever. La, la. Well, yeah, yeah, whatever. I, I think the south of France may be a little too expensive, but <laughs> the affordable part of France. Um, but Canada, you know, like my sisters talked about Portugal. Um, wow. Yeah, so. All right. Well, I just picked three cards. I just shuffled and picked three cards. And now I like to do the alternate because I like to compare and contrast. Um, so now I'm going to shuffle and say, you know, what does it look like? If you stay here in the godforsaken USA and <laughs> fight among us who are <laughs> who are lingering behind. Yeah, I mean that's part of it too, which is in James Baldwin talked about that. Yeah. Like you can't fight the good fight from overseas. So um it's you know, I, I don't I don't I also don't wanna run away either, but like, you know, if I lose faith in the in the people of of the u.s you know like we're at a point now where you can't stand on the sidelines absolutely yeah and yeah. and so yeah. let's fight the good fight yeah. you know all right so let's see this is what it looks like for moving abroad you have the queen of wands she's pretty cool okay oh my god keith 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 you're moving abroad. You're moving abroad, Mr. Destiny. You got the big destiny card. You got the universe. The Oh my God. It doesn't even, that last card doesn't even matter. It could be the crappiest card in the deck. It could be like the tower reversed. It doesn't matter. When the universe card comes up, it is such a, it's a destiny card. And it's saying like, yes, this is your destiny. This is meant to be. You are moving towards this. It is moving towards you. But what is that last card? Change. Two of discs. Jupiter in Capricorn, which is really wonderful. Jupiter is the planet of Jupiter brings gifts and expansion and Capricorn is work. So, and then, you know, change is, uh, you know, a physical change, a change of residence, a change of your home. Wow. And just to touch on the queen of wands, she's just got like a ton of energy. She's just on fire. She's super creative. She's been through a lot and she sort of wears her battle scars in a proud way and in a way to signal to others like her, like, look, you can come through it. You can survive it and keep going and like be a beacon for other people. So she's a survivor with a ton of positive energy. Oh, the universe. I mean, you know, if you guys listening could see, it's like this beautiful like eyeball shooting out of the cosmic sky into a snake that's dancing with a lady <laughs> on an infinite grid. I don't know. There's like a lot going on in that card. No, that's that's quite excellent. It's funny because of those both those cards. Um, 
One is we have cats now. We just got kittens like in the past two weeks. and COVID kittens. Yeah. And my wife is like totally bonding with the kittens now. And um, <gasps> Oh, and, and the Queen of Wands is standing there with her pet cat. Yeah. And she actually has this. When we were in San Francisco, she has this. She has this one scar right in the middle here, where she um, they, she had this <clears throat> it, um, a benign cyst removed. It was like this huge thing right here. So she's got that battle scar, and she is a shining light and a beacon. Oh well, man, your life is charmed. You're in touch with your destiny. You're receiving omens from the universe. So. You're really an inspiration, Keith. It's so cool to reconnect with you. Yeah, yeah, you too. I mean, listen, you were one of my Bay Area inspirations, so it's just nice to be able to to reconnect and just, yeah. For real. Cheers to you. Cheers. Hey, this is Keith Knight, Gentleman Cartoonist, with an update of where I've been for the past few years. I think COVID put the kibosh on everything as far as getting out, but uh, I, I, was my sister out by then? She got out and now she's still, she's outside just watching America burn from <laughs> from the outside in. And uh, yeah, I, I should have followed her there, but uh, I'm sure the logistics of trying to, to, to do a season two would have been a, a nightmare because part of my whole uh, deal with it was like I have to see my family every two weeks every two weeks it's still you know the Republican Party is just still under him you know everybody's like bending over backwards to do all oh, you know I'm Trumpier than this candidate considering what's going on with the Supreme Court you know it's just I mean everything that was that everyone talked about is coming to fruition Democrats have to be more than just we're not Republicans, you know, we're higher brow. Like, all right, dude, you know, they show up to a, a, a knife fight with a stuffed animal. It's easy to, to criticize the country from overseas and be like, ha ha ha, you know, it, it's like, you gotta be here. But at the same time, it's just like, you wanna look out for your family, it's being torn. And um, so all, all I can say is, is, is the message will be there. The signals will be there to, to get out or or stay and, and and keep up the good fight. The majority of us want want abortion rights. The majority of us want real history taught in school. You know, like there's no reason why you know a minority of people should have say over everything. It just reminds me when you're on a flight, it's always. The, the loudest, most obnoxious person gets their way because they just, the, the flight attendants want to please them. So it's like someone's like, rah, rah, rah. it's that person that makes the loudest noise. They're in the minority and we should all just be like, you know, shut up. And it's the same with the, the, the people at the front uh, in first class. It's, they get the majority of all the good stuff. And it, all it is, is this, it's this curtain that keeps, you know, the rest of us back, like just rush the curtain and take all the peanuts, you know, take it and share all the, the peanuts. That's what I say. It's funny that I say that because now they fly me in first class, <laughs> but I'll happily smuggle all the peanuts back to the people. I would do that. Hey. 
I wanted to share about one of the more uncomfortable aspects of being a tarot reader. Certainly, any of you who have been doing readings for other people for any length of time have found yourself in this very strange situation. What do you do when the tarot seems to be giving bad advice? It happens. Maybe it happens to me so much because I happen to be a very opinionated person, particularly when it comes to other people's problems. I have a particular philosophy I live my life by, too lengthy and intuitive for me to detail here, but it makes me want to encourage querents to quit their jobs, live in a van, move to Europe, etc. Do the unconventional once-in-a-lifetime thing. Of course don't stay in the boring job with the cheating partner under the roof of the energy vampire parents. Kick the shallow friends to the curb, chase down your dream, etc, etc, etc. Most of the time, when a client is detailing their quandary to me, I don't need the damn deck. I am fully sure of what this person should do to get that much closer to their best life. However, the person didn't come to me for my opinion. They came to me for my connection and experience with the tarot, my ability to translate what the cards are saying, my skill in explaining it. And sometimes, as I'm flipping the cards and registering the tarot's directive, I'm thinking, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Because the cards are definitely saying, stay with the shady boyfriend. Keep caretaking your toxic narcissistic mother. Stay in the job that makes it impossible to pursue your art. I get mad at the cards. Whose side are you on, tarot? But spending time with the tarot and getting the variety of messages that come from the cards reminds me again and again that although what we want are answers to our worldly problems, what the tarot wants is to remind us that we are having, all day every day, a spiritual experience. And that each and every situation we find ourselves in has something to do with the evolution and expansion of our soul. Looking at it from this perspective, a querent might need to stay in that shitty relationship a little longer so that they bottom out completely, have a revelation about the nature of their romantic patterns, and start making different choices. Maybe continuing to caretake the toxic parent will force a confrontation that's necessary, or will provide unexpected information that will change the querent's direction. Maybe they're going to meet someone at that soul-killing job who will later invest in their music project and change their life. The tarot reminds us that we don't know anything. If we did, we wouldn't be seeking the tarot. And as a reader, I'm not some all-seeing, all-knowing guru, although I do have the same birthday and much of the same astrology chart of Gwen Shamblin. I'm knee-deep in the mystery with all y'all, scrying and sleuthing and trying to peel back a layer of the unknown so that we can eke a bit of meaning and comfort out of this ball of chaos we're living on. So yeah, when the tarot gives bad advice, I share it. I tell the querent, I think this is very bad advice and you should stop sleeping with your hashtag MeToo office manager like yesterday. But what do I know? Maybe they're soulmates. Maybe she's going to sue his ass in a year and get to buy a house. Maybe she's going to be able to help other women who get seduced by manipulative creeps in the workplace, help them feel less alone. When the next thing happens, the other shoe drops, the situation gets better or worse, I'll be here with my deck of cards, ready to see what more is to be revealed. And I promise I'll tell it like it is. That's it for our episode. Wherever your travels take you, literally or metaphorically, across the globe or through the ups and downs of your life, we hope you always have an eye on the spiritual messages tucked into the mundane. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. You can support us, plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. Every dollar really makes this work possible. 
Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic and subscribe to our newsletter at thisisyourmagic.com. You can rate us and subscribe right here on Spotify. Do what you need to do to never miss an episode. You can email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Kirsten Osai-Bonzu. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening. 